This is the Skin in the Game VC podcast, hosted by Tom Wallace, entrepreneur turned venture capitalist and the managing partner at Florida Funders. You'll learn from the best about investing in early stage tech companies, so you too can gain the confidence and find the tools that help you succeed as an angel investor. Are you ready to get some skin in the game? Hello, this is Tom Wallace, uh, Managing Partner of Florida Funders. Welcome to another edition of Skin in the Game BC, our podcast where we talk to founders and uh, other angel investors and try to learn from each other. PitchBook named us the most active VC in the Southeast, in case you're not familiar with Florida Funders. We are a combination of a venture capital firm and a curated group of 2,000 accredited investors that focus on finding funding and building the next generation of great technology companies here in the state of Florida and beyond. Our goal with this podcast is to create kind of a unique experience of, again, learning from founders and other angel investors. And we're really in this together just to, to learn. I think that's one of the great things about early stage tech investing. We're always looking to learn. Everything's always changing and there, there's always new stuff going on uh, and somebody new to learn from. Um, I'm extremely excited about our founder, our, our, our founder that's going to be joining us, our guest today. Uh, his name is Joey Levy. You may have recently uh, seen him. He's been all over the news with Jake Paul, who is his partner in this new and exciting company called Better that Florida Funders has invested in and we're extremely excited about. Uh, they recently announced, uh, recently launched Better to a lot of fanfare. In fact, I was telling Joey right before uh, we got started, I was watching Fox News yesterday and him and Jake were on, which was really exciting. Uh, Full full disclosure, I've always been a, a lifelong sports lover. I grew up playing sports, as many people did, and I've always enjoyed betting on sports. So this is this is uh, better is near and dear to my heart. So uh, with that, Joey, welcome. I'm sorry, I was on mute. Uh, the, the, thanks for <laughs> the, thanks for having me, Tom. Really good to be here. Oh no, we're, we're, I'm really excited about having you on. As I mentioned, uh, I've I've always enjoyed sports betting. But what you what better is about is really totally disrupting sports betting as people like me have been doing it for years. So tell our audience how the, the better is different, both because it's not just sports betting. You got a media side, but also how you guys better look at sports betting and why it's so dis different and disruptive to what we traditionally have thought of as sports betting. Sure. Yeah, I'd say so. As you articulated, there's two sides of this business. There's a real money gaming business, and then there's a media arm. And we almost view better. We're not like formally a holding company, at least not yet. But like we, you know, view ourselves a bit as like a holding company where we have a real money gaming business and a media business. On the real money gaming side, the way we really differentiate ourselves. Um, and it's been a, an incredibly interesting journey to sort of get to this exact product vision is we we're launching the world's first micro betting app and micro betting. Yes. Yeah. What's and, my, what's micro betting? Yeah. So, so, so micro betting, think of it as like micro timeframes with respect to the duration of the betting markets. So traditional sports betting today is predominantly like there's three main products, which are kind of like, 
when you, when you interact with these experiences, it's almost like interacting with a foreign language if you've never been on sports before. So you have like money lines, point spreads, over under. So a money line, for example, is you're betting, you're taking a minus 175 money line that the Dolphins will beat the Jets in this game. So you're betting $175 to win 100. The fact that I had to explain that to you is like part of the problem, right? Like that's yeah. not an intuitive experience, but that's that that's kind of like the core product today. And then you have like point spreads where it's like there. So on the point spreads, for example, plus five and a half, you're betting on um, like the team to win the game or to lose by five or less. If you look at an over under, it'll be displayed on the UI as like 54.50 O slash U, which basically means you're betting on will there be a total of 55 or will there be 55 points yeah. or more in the game or, or less, right? Like those yeah. are the core experiences. But what all of those experiences have in common, whether you're betting on those markets before the game or if you're betting on those markets during the game, because in-play betting is has been around and it's been a big thing in, in markets like the UK, you know, some operators are taking 70, 80% or even more than that of their total handle and revenue in in-play betting. So it's a so, so, so place, people are betting during the game. They're the betting on those started. markets. Correct. The game has started. And, and like in the second quarter, you're taking a money line of, you know, a revised money line on the Dolphins to beat the Jets because maybe the Jets are, you know, up 14 to nothing at the end of the first quarter. So now instead of a minus 175 money line on the Dolphins, they're now the underdog. So it's like plus 300. So that's been around. But you still have to wait until the end of a game to understand whether or not you won or lost that bet. And like, while that may sound, may not sound like a big deal, like most professional sporting events are like two, three, four hours long. Right. And, and for today's generation and, and just like, and, and people like to say, Oh, the younger generation, but really it's like, I think most consumers nowadays are exhibiting increasingly lower attention spans and they want, more instant gratification. And even within the gambling sector, historically, this has been validated. If you just look at like the data that's come out of Vegas over the last several decades, like what gambling experience consistently generates the lion's share of revenue? It's slot machines, right? And 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 most people are surprised to hear that, right? I didn't because, know that. Yeah, <laughs> I it's didn't, not even close. I thought you were going to say blackjack. Oh, it's not even close. It's slots. And like, <laughs> the, and, 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 and people are, and, and you're probably surprised because it's like slots are kind of a shitty product, right? Like yeah. you're, you're, you're like just, sitting. My in, mother loves slot machines. I thought old ladies played most. Totally. That's why machines. I say like people say the younger generation or Gen Z or whatever. It's like, no, like if anything, it's the older generation that has low attention spans. Cause like the, the primary value prop from a slot machine, you, cause you're just sitting there pushing a button. Right. But when you push that button, you place a bet. And within a few seconds, you know whether or not you won or lost that bet. That is the value. It's it's that tight feedback loop that. So that's what you're bringing to the sports world. Correct. With so micro betting, right? Right. So and like I, I've been, you know, grateful and fortunate enough to see the kind of the evolution of U.S. sports gaming for, as a as a kid to to now, and you know, before you know, I, and I could get into more of the founding story, but like I, I started a company called DraftPot about eight years ago, where it was one of the early daily fantasy sports sites, and I remember when daily fantasy sports introduced instant gratification to season long fantasy sports. And that category really took off because of the layer of instant gratification that DFS wow. introduced to season long fantasy. But with traditional sports betting, how old it's were been, you when you started DraftPod? 
I, I was like, like 18, 19 as an undergrad at, at college. Um, but, but anyways, I bring that up just to, to bring up the point that like, there's been these like inflection points in us sports gaming where the, the, le- like the, the level of instant gratification is like increasing by orders of magnitude over time. And micro betting is sort of that last level of instant gratification. It, the, the way we describe it is like, it's the TikTokification of, of sports betting, if, if the you will. TikTokification. I like that. So I'm watching a baseball game. Um, Pete Alonzo's son is up. Pete's, Pete Alonzo plays for the Mets. His father's an investor of ours and a, a good friend and great guy. And I'm going to bet on, is he going to strike out, hit a home run, single, double, triple right there. I don't have to be at the game. I could be at home watching it on TV, right? Totally. I mean, that, that's going to be like the core experience. You're sitting on your couch and you're, and you're watching it at home. Um, and, and the other or thing. Or it could be Tom Brady leading our Tampa Bay Bucks on a drive. This drive is going to end in a touchdown, an interception, a first down. And I can place a bet right there then and figure out if I want to lost then place my next next bet. Yeah, right. and the, uh, correct. And, and the amazing thing about the technology is as Tom Brady is driving down the field, the odds will change with every play, right? Like the odds of the Bucks scoring a touchdown on a, you know, first and 10 on the opposing team's 20 yard line are a lot different than on their own 15, third and 15, right? But then let's say they convert sure. that third and 15. Let, let's say it's third and 15 on their own 15. And you bet touchdown. You're going to get really good. You're going to get a really good payout multiple on that. And let's say he passes it for 20 yards and converts. You're in the money already. You you know what I mean? Like you've created value for yourself and, and, and they're going to continue driving down the field or they're not going to convert. Like you could hedge your bets in real time. Like um, the technology about around immediately updating the odds based on that play, that pitch there's a lot, lot. I mean, I don't know if our, our audience really appreciates how difficult that is to do. That's where the core technology. So you've been working on this technology for years, right? Yeah, exactly. So the the origin story at a super high level is is essentially I I co-founded SimpleBet four years ago to do what we're doing with Better Now. So the idea was to like be a direct to consumer company that simplified the sports betting user experience. So like that minus 175 plus five and a half point spread, 54.50 oh slash U. Like I remember when I first looked at a sports betting app coming from Daily Fantasy Sports. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I'm not super sophisticated as a user, but like I was informed. Like I started a Daily Fantasy Sports company and I saw these experiences and I had no idea how to use the product. And and that just seemed problematic. Like you have dozens of multi-billion dollar organizations spending billions of dollars on acquiring, on marketing and trying to acquire customers, but their products are not interpretable to normal people who've never bet on sports before. Like, like that seemed super problematic. So we started SimpleBet to simplify the existing sports betting user experience. What ended up happening was six weeks. And the companies you were referring to are like FanDuel, DraftKings, companies like that. Even before then, because, because the federal ban on sports betting wasn't repealed yet. So um, even before then you're, you know, Oh, Oh, that's right. This was, this was all illegal before that, right? Everything was offshore. When did, when did the uh, Supreme court um, 
allow for, for so so we started simple bet formally at, on april of in april of 2018 i've been working on this as a project for about a year year and a half before that um actually in eastern europe because it wasn't legal in the us yet but i felt like just there there would be a large market globally for people who wanted to bet on sports but didn't understand things like how odds worked and the user experiences were were all cluttered and kind of felt like interacting with a spreadsheet or like a transactional ui layer uh-huh. um, I, I assume in eastern europe it was soccer yeah it, it predominantly focused on soccer we 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 always or i say we i mean i've always felt like you know, with, with the proliferation of like cannabis legalization in the U S like sports betting would ultimately become legal in the U S at some point. Right. And like, you know, towards 2017, 2018, there were a lot of, you know, discussions around the Supreme court, very possibly repealing the federal ban. So move back to the U S in early 2018, officially formed simple bet in April of 2018. And then the Supreme court repealed the federal ban on sports betting in a seven to two decision in May of 2018. So, um, Timing's it, everything. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's better to be lucky than smart in, in most cases. And, um, so, so we were incredibly lucky with that. So, so when that happened, what we decided to do was to create these simple experiences around, you know, just U.S. sports, like being exclusively focused on developing product for U.S. sports, because that's presumably where the opportunity would be. Like everybody's building product for a global audience, but nobody's really focused on the U.S. So we started building these simple experiences for U.S. sports and some of the initial. And, and predominantly baseball, basketball, yeah, baseball MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL. Like that. Was, that's okay. what we were looking at. And okay. some of the initial ideas we had for for those sports we're like, well, you know, it would be cool if people could bet on pitches and at-bats of baseball games or plays and drives of football games or like, will LeBron's next made basket be a two-pointer, three-pointer or two-pointer, three-pointer free throw? Like that would be a, a um, like a cool thing for people to do, right? Like yeah. that, that's kind of like how it started, right? So we started designing these simple UIs, which you could see today on simplebet.io. Like most of those mock-ups were designed about four years ago. And you know, we we went to the B2B technology companies like Sport Radar, Bet Genius, Stats and Perform, who were two separate companies at the time. And we went to them just trying to get an API feed that would enable us to offer these simple user experiences around pitches and at bats, plays and drives. And that's uh-huh. when we discovered that none of them had built the the requisite technical infrastructure to enable micro betting on on u.s sports which you know kind of seemed insane because it was like uh, how does this not exist but then if you think about it it actually makes sense why it didn't exist because the global regulated market as you already alluded to was you know previously driven by soccer and so all of product technology and operations in the global sports betting industry was all geared towards building product around soccer and soccer really doesn't lend itself to micro betting exactly correct so like if you think of the cadence of a soccer match it's like it's a very fluid game there there aren't really any moments to bet on there's not a lot of scoring like it's just this non-stop sort of back and forth and you know few goals determine the outcome and 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 it's it's built for match outcome based betting you're betting on will arsenal beat man U. like that that's the experience but when you think of the composition of U.S. sports, it's like the opposite. Like U.S. sports are, are stop and start cadence, moment to moment, uh, driven by a lot of scoring and speculation over superstar players and what they'll do next. So 
that's when we realized like micro betting, you know, understandably was ignored as a category, but the repeal of, of the federal ban on sports betting made it such that micro betting, it, it made, it justified the investment and the focus in building the technical infrastructure to enable micro betting. And what, when you think of the, the cadence of us sports combined with how this introduces like a, a new level of instant gratification in the sports betting user experience, we started forming a thesis that like micro betting may actually be the predominant way people bet on sports in this country, but you need to get the technology right. And there's nuances to the user experience that aren't, weren't like previously considered for match outcome based betting. Right. Like, so, so, so to like give you an example, like you mentioned Pete Alonzo at home plate, like you're betting on, will it be a single double triple home run strikeout walk other. So you're betting on that, you know, let's say while he's on deck, and then let's say he's he goes to the plate and ball one, ball two, ball three, it's a three-o count. The odds are different, right? Like the, sure. the the likelihood of a strikeout is a lot lower, right? Like the, yeah. the likelihood of a walk is a lot higher. Yeah, that's that instant part that I so, think it's gotta so, be really challenging. So, so so like it's it's a totally different technology challenge to enable sure. people to live you're not just betting on at bats, but you're live betting the at bat with the odds changing with every pitch. And like that's where, you know, like I remember when the market first opened up and, and Canby, who is previously the sportsbook platform provider for DraftKings, DraftKings has, has since shifted to SB Tech, which they acquired as part of their going public, you know, de-spacking process. But like, I remember Canby in like, I think it was like early 2019, they announced that they launched some micro markets with DraftKings and you know, and then people were like, what do, what do you need simple bet for? Like Canby is like a you know, a, a multi-billion dollar publicly traded company that's powering DraftKings and everybody. But if you if you looked at the experience, like, and again, this is like a, a Swedish-based company that, you know, a, a lot of these like operators, like they've done an incredible job, but they're not run by people who like intuitively understand US sports. Like, like enabling somebody to bet on the first batter or, of an inning, of a half inning, Will they make base or not? Yes or no. And and then that's it. That's all you could bet on. Like that is not a great user experience, but like being able to slice up the market selections where you can do single, double, triple home run strikeout walk other requires a machine learning approach because you need to take a probability based approach to the market making. If mm-hmm. you're going to have like, because like even at, at scale, so it sounds like at the core from the very beginning, the user experience was always something that you were very focused on and making betting simple make making it accessible to people who historically wouldn't bet because it was too complicated and too difficult to do and so it's kind of like the um, but there's like a back end there's like a sorry to cut you off but there's like a back end user experience problem that that is really broken down into the, into the two pieces right the machine learning probability based approach to the market making but then the automation of the market mechanics so that you could live bet and at bat like that my my, my point was like like, like, like the industry experts were like, you don't need to do machine learning and automation and all that. You're just like burning investor money. Like a lot of people said that. And I'm uh-huh. like, you don't get the, like the difference between live betting and at bat in real time 
and only being able to bet on will a batter reach base, yes or no, for only the first batter of the half of, of the inning. Like that, that doesn't sound like a big deal, but that means everything to the user experience. It, it, yeah, it, sure. so, so it's like, so, so you have to solve the back end user experience problem. And that's what SimpleBet is built. SimpleBet is built the really difficult bespoke machine learning and automation infrastructure to enable micro betting to exist on the back end. But then four years later, like, the front end UI, like it still feels like interacting with a spreadsheet. You still have money lines, point spreads, over unders, which just somebody who's never bet on sports before, which is most of the public, is is like interacting with a foreign language. Like the the front end user experience has not been solved. So so that's why um, you know we started better. Um, and, and there's all it's going to be better, reasons, obviously, but betting with better. it's, it's going to be better. So, <laughs> you know, jobs talked a lot about that where, you know, he, he was a fanatic about simplifying the user experience. He was a fanatic about the user experience with all his products, but with, with all the Apple products, but he always talked about how s- simple is harder, making it simple, making that user experience. So, um, intuitive. So people don't need to read a manual. Don't need, don't get frustrated is is really really difficult and takes a lot of work and it sounds like that's that's what you're focused on here that's exciting let me jump let me change change directions here a little bit so your partner at better is jake paul who full disclosure i didn't know who that was till about a year and a half ago when saxon and florida funders educated me uh on jake paul and for those of you who don't know who jake paul is he's uh a sports media star he's a boxer he's a youtuber he's got what 70 million followers on social media something like that and he's your partner at better how did you meet jake got to hear that story and how did this all come about yeah so um we were actually talking about it a couple nights ago um because it's cool how everything's come full circle here but i think it's like a year and a half two years ago there was like a dinner in Miami that I was invited to and um, by just one of my, one of my friends and, and sort of like, uh, you know, just startups and tech or whatever. And, and I actually like wasn't feeling well that night and it was kind of still during COVID situation. So like, I like, wasn't going to go and he's bothering me like, nah, you got to come. There's some cool people here. I want to introduce you to So I show up like an hour and a half late, barely made it. Um, and I end up sitting next to this guy, uh, Jeff Wu, who recently started a, a venture fund called, called anti-fund uh, with Jake Paul. And his whole thesis was, you know, we, we live in a world where capital is increasingly becoming a commodity and, you know, venture investors need to really add like a material amount of value if they're going to get allocation into the best venture deals. And, yeah, you sure. know, from, from his perspective, mm-hmm. like, you know, and Jeff's like a seasoned Silicon Valley entrepreneur and investor sort of like knows the ins and outs of that world. And pair, and he paired himself up with Jake Paul, who, you know, ha- is, is arguably the most famous Gen Z internet personality in the world. Um, and as a result of that, if you're a consumer company, particularly, but even if you're a B2B company, like you want somebody like people like that on your cap table. So you'll always carve out room for, for allocation of their deal. So that was their whole thesis. And, um, I, um, you know, just like mentioned what I was working on and I, and Jeff said something like, Oh, that's interesting. Like I was just talking to Jake about like, maybe we should do more venture building type initiatives. And, but we don't want to do like, 
we, we don't want to be like like the the like one of a hundred celebrities who are like launching a tequila brand right like because that's kind of like what all of them are doing you know like we want to do something <laughs> yeah we want to do something leveraging software that's more scalable and this is also around the time where like barstool and dave portnoy and that combination with pen gaming like was really taking off and you know headlining the the markets and so, so i think i think they came to the conclusion that they want to do something in sports betting now it was right in the midst of me trying to figure out how can we solve the user experience problem, the front end user experience problem at SimpleBet that now that we had solved the back end user experience yeah. problem. So I was thinking through like, you know, for, for a while at SimpleBet, I like, I wanted to take SimpleBet direct to consumer. And, you know, I, there, there wasn't a lot of internal support for that because the moment you do that, you know, your customers like DraftKings and FanDuel, you're you know, competing with them. You're, you're competing right? with them. So there's a high likelihood they'll tell you to fuck off. Right. So, yeah. so, so, you know, we, we ultimately decided that building, like spinning out a new entity where Simple Bet would be like a minority uh, shareholder would be uh-huh. like the, the, the best way to do it. Right. Where Simple Bet still gets upside, but like it's very clear to the market that Simple Bet is not going direct to consumer. And this new direct to consumer company would be using Simple Bet technology because. Simple bet is the one offering micro betting technology. Um, so I was like in the midst of figuring out how to do that. So the the timing was just super fortuitous, and um, and then we just had a few conversations about what we're working so, on. And so Jeff then invited you to meet Jake. I take it. Yeah. So we we had like a few. So we, he shared the simple bet uh, information with Jake, and Jake immediately like was following up with me. Hey, we got to get on a call. We got to discuss this. I think we could do something cool together. I wasn't ready yet to spin out direct to consumer from simple bet. Like there were still some things we needed to take care of on the simple bet front before, um, you know, I, I, I could go out and like dedicate all of my time and, and take that thing to market. But, um, mm-hmm. but just spent a lot of time with Jake and, and ultimately decided that, um, you know, we, we wanted to, uh, we wanted to do this thing together because the more, the more time I spent with Jake and, and hearing about like his thesis around sports media, which I, and I'm not a media guy. Like I've been down the daily fantasy sports betting, micro betting rabbit hole now for, for, for pretty much my entire adult life. And, you know, I'm not a media guy, but, the, but just after, you know, watching more of his videos and spending more time with him and then seeing the state of sports media today, where it's basically like super loud, deliberately provocative talking heads like Stephen A. Smith, just saying a bunch of, you know, whatever on ESPN, just in in the most loud, provocative man, it it like, and they play the same shit over and over and over. And it's like sports media kind of sucks in this country. I find it extremely boring. I can't, I can't do it. I mean, like they overanalyze everything, every play, every, you know, give me a break. Yeah. And like, who cares? the game, after the game. Who cares? You know what I mean? I mean, some people care. (laughs) Some people have too much time on their hands is what I've come to the conclusion, but. Totally. But like, it just, so, so then I'm like, okay, what like so 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 like and then i remember thinking through like you know spinning out direct to consumer and all the industry experts um you know some of whom even working at simple bet were you know saying things like it, it just you can't start a direct to consumer startup in the space it's way too expensive customer acquisition is you know fanduel you know you you could go out and raise 50 million dollars but fanduel is going to spend 50 million dollars week one of nfl they're going to crush you and i'm like okay but how are they spending that 50 million dollars they're buying a bunch of you know generic 
poorly produced commercial ads on ESPN. Like who's watching the commercials anymore? Like who, who's going to see that and be like, Oh, I'm going to download FanDuel now. Like that, that's not how you like, like you'll sure you'll get brand, you'll get brand awareness, right? People will know about FanDuel and, and they have a lot of awareness They're yeah. FanDuel and DraftKings are now synonymous with sports betting, but are they going to get brand affinity? Like are, are you going to see people walking down the street wearing a FanDuel hoodie? No, it's it, it, like they're just shoving ads down your throat and engaging in a race to the bottom. On By the way, I, the want most- a be- I want a better hoodie. Just I, so- I got you. I got you. I got you. We'll be on the way to you. That's right cool. After this. No, um, I'll wear that down the street. That's cool. Yeah. So, so like, you know, we, so it's like they're, they're playing, excuse me, they're, they're playing a different game, right? Their game is we're going to spend a shit ton of money on you know blunt force customer acquisition buy up all the ads advertise like car insurance companies and we're also going to give users the most amount of free money to use our app and we're just going to be number one that way and we're not going to win that game but i think that's the wrong game to play like i don't i don't think that's a sustainable game like you're not you're not building value you're like shoving things down people's throats and it's like Barstool is probably the best one to date. That's like, and, and the reason why they're, they were the best is because they started as a media company and they built a real brand with affinity and like people fuck with Barstool. Like they like it. They like Dave Portnoy, like he's super authentic and there's a deliberate separation between the media company and the gaming business because they, they have, they, and, and as a result of that, they're, they're able to maintain a level of autonomy with respect to building like an organic, authentic brand voice. So then I, I started, you, you know, thinking to myself with Jake, it's like, what if we built like a, like a better version of Barstool, like, and use that as a way to like get brand affinity. We're going to get brand awareness because you have 70 million social media followers and we could bring another talent that wants to work with us. that also has a lot of social media followers, but what if we built like a, like a, just a cool brand, a media company build and, and we don't have to spend money on marketing. So I think, you know, this which is, a, been- which, which is a great way to build a company. I mean, if you think about Google, if you think about, you know, most of the social, um, platforms, whether it be Facebook, Instagram, I mean, they had billions of users and spent no money on marketing. It was all viral. It was all viral. Their customer acquisition costs in the early days were, were zero. And yeah, that's, and it all starts with product by the way. So, so like just to close the loop on that, it's like, I, the, the way we're going to be successful is not because of the media company. We're going to be successful because we're building a user experience both between the simple intuitive UI layer that like makes sports betting something that somebody who's never done it before can just pick up and in- intuitively interact with. And then the, the, the unbundling of micro betting, the focus on instant gratification, mm-hmm. we're going to win because, and we're not offering things like free bets or we're not going to compete with FanDuel and DraftKings with like, I don't want people to use better because of free bets. I want them to use better because they want to use better. Right. So we're going to win because we have a better product experience. But the media company is just like a, I, I view it as like a hack for distribution. But independently, 
because we're deliberately sort of separating it, I think it'll generate incremental enterprise value just through the audience we're developing. You know, Jake, Jake's launching a sports show this week called BS with Jake Paul, uh, which we think could be the number one sports show in the world in, in pretty short order. Like we may sell sponsorships around that and generate revenue that way. Right. So, but, yeah. but it'll all come back to the product experience, but this is sort of our, 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 hack to customer acquisition and yeah why I think, cool you know i love it love yeah. this strategy now on going back to the the micro betting and the whole supreme court ruling i live in florida you live in florida you know where uh you're in miami i'm in tampa i know florida i can't sports bet legally here what are there 17 states how does that affect better and as you roll out and how quickly do you see it's ridiculous that i can't bet in sports bet in florida but i go to pennsylvania or wherever and i can do it so uh, how, how does that affect you and how quickly do you see that changing? Yeah, I mean, so I would say the reason the reason why it's like that is it, so, you know, the, the Supreme Court made it clear this is a state's rights issues, right? So you're dealing with like state politics on, you know, it's, it's almost like it's almost like we have to launch this business in 50 different countries like that. That's how we treat it. So, you know, ultimately, I think legal sports betting will be ubiquitous everywhere. And it's legal in over 30 states already. Oh, 30. And, yeah, it's it's legal in over 30. Um, mobile betting mm-hmm. is perhaps only legal in about 17 to 20. But even that is, and basically what that means is like, you know, in New York, for example, when they first legalized sports betting, you had to go to a land-based casino in upstate New York and couldn't <laughs> use a mobile app. For two years, it was like that. And uh-huh. they were doing about $50 million in bets a month. And then, you know, Cuomo's governor and they're burning a lot of money during COVID and tax revenues are down and they need in. And so, so they decided to shift to mobile and now they're doing over a billion dollars a month. So a month, a month. Yeah. So, so, so it's, it's all shifting to mobile betting. I think it's all going to be ubiquitous ultimately, but it's like state's politics. Like, like in, in, um, in Florida, for instance, it's a battle between, you know, does the Seminole tribe of Florida who's generating an incredible amount of tax revenue, um, you know, for the state, um, you know, do they, do, do they, are they the ones that control sports betting by paying multi-billion dollar, uh, minimum guarantees to the state on an annual basis, or should it be more of an open market where like individual operators like FanDuel, DraftKings or better can go to the state and pay a license fee and a tax and, and, or is it a hybrid approach where the Seminole tribe of Florida, like, control sports betting and then could sub-license market access to these other operators. Like these are the, the and, and as you can imagine, like very high stakes, like, uh, you know, decisions and, and, and politics oh, yeah. involved with that. So it takes time to, to resolve itself. Politics involved. We did have mobile sports betting for like two weeks. Yeah. And then from the central uh, drive and then, and then I it think got shut judge, down. Yeah. Cause a judge <laughs> said that the way they went about sort of legalizing it was, was unconstitutional because gambling well, is, is what sort happened? of, a, yeah, it was something like that. Like, so, but, but so, so that, that's kind of why it is what it is. Um, but from, from my standpoint, I think it's great that it's not legal everywhere yet because it gives us time to, like we did this week, launch our company, launch our brand, launch our media company, build an audience. We're going live in Indiana later this year. We're going to go live in Ohio day one, which is January 1st, 2023. We have a couple of other states where we're finalizing market access deals and we're going to go live in, you know, half one of 2023. So it gives us time to, you know, launch state by state, really prove out what we're doing, right? Like there's a lot of like we have a lot of vision with respect to what we think the user experience should look and feel like, but like 
we got to launch and learn and iterate and yeah, like sure. so so it gives us time to like launch and get our shit together and then yeah. once we prove our model we could go out and you know knock on wood we'll raise a couple hundred million dollars in a series b and be more competitive in, in these new states but i think it's a blessing that four of the of uh, three of the four biggest states in the union california texas and florida are are not live with mobile sports betting yet so when they will go live we'll be there day one You'll be or at ready. least we hope to at least we hope to be california's you know probably gonna ask for a hundred million dollar license fee um so hopefully you know by the time we we, we would have to pay that we'll, we'll be you know well you've done your series that. b and you'll have the hundred million and you'll be able to do it so you're, you know arguably i mean you're first of all i think what you're doing is awesome and it's super exciting and obviously we at florida fan is florida funders are big fans and investors uh, and maybe we'll get a chance to talk about that later but what I was, you know, you're the first mover in this space, right? You know, you, you guys are really first movers and, you know, with first movers, there's a lot of challenges, risk, uh, a lot to learn, as you said. So, um, a lot of execution risk, as we say in, in, in the investment world, what, uh, what do you think are your biggest challenges? And, uh, when you look out over the coming years and, and building this, really you're building almost a again, it's a, it's a, your first mover, you're building a new space, uh, which is obviously building companies, as we all know, is really challenging, really difficult in and of itself, let alone building a whole new space. And so what are the big challenges? What, what goes wrong here? I mean, a lot of, a lot of challenges and, and there's a, there's a lot that could go wrong. Um, I mean, for me, the, the biggest thing when starting this business, um, like I kind of alluded to this already, there launching a direct i i can't tell you how many times i literally heard it in my sleep you're gonna fail launching a direct consumer gambling business because of how expensive it is how in the world are you going to compete with FanDuel and DraftKings on customer acquisition like uh, you know even product and technology is expensive like market access and licensing was another one like you're not going to be able to get market access against these guys like 20 year old kids whatever like how are you going to pay the 30 million dollar market access fee in this random state like so, so for me, the biggest thing was identifying what are the most expensive things that are associated with launching a regulated, licensed gambling business in, in America. One is product and technology, which was baked into the deal through the simple bet deal that we did. So we, we had that going for us. The, the second thing was, you know, customer acquisition, marketing distribution, which you know, we made the decision that we were going to invest a little bit in, into, you know, hiring a team to build a, a next generation sports media company around Jake Paul and, and, you know, diversifying beyond Jake and bringing, you know, other talent and incubating other talent. And, you know, we think the next Jake Paul could, could come out of, uh, out of our media company. Um, and, and, but then the third thing with market access and, and distribution you know what like you you don't hear about this in any of the press that's come out but it's perhaps like the most important thing from a business standpoint like we've made several market access deals with with license holders in the US for predominantly equity based arrangements which have quite literally saved the business tens of millions of dollars already so we're going into this thing with a 50 million dollar war chest having barely spent any money to date and de-risking all of those three things that you know all the experts said would, would cost tens to hundreds of millions of dollars out of the gate. So that was the first thing. And, and then to have a 50 million war chest on top of that is, 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 is nice. Um, 
So then you think about, okay, like going across each of those three things, like how do you de-risk the, the, the execution against that? Like the product and technology, like sure, we're getting it from SimpleBet, like, but is the user, like, are we developing the right user experience? Like, should we like hold back the release longer to perfect it? Or should we just get it out there and like learn from user feedback? Like these are things that we think about all the time. Um, media distribution, like we're building this amazing, you know, you know, hopefully amazing the distinct media business under the, uh, mm-hmm. under the better umbrella. Um, mm-hmm. And, and we've already proven that we were building an audience. We're capable of building an audience and engaging that audience. Like right now, and I'm sure the numbers have even changed over the course of this interview. Like our Instagram account has almost a hundred thousand followers, we, which is 30,000 more than DraftKings Sportsbook. Like wow. that's crazy. And like, when did you, when did you launch it? 48 hours ago. <laughs> Like that's crazy, right? Like they've spent billions of dollars on marketing and we are 30% more than them on Instagram. Like, like on the sportsbook side, they have their main account, which I I think we're probably on track to pass this week. So like, but, but then within the media company, it's like, okay, so, you know, initial thesis is proven to be correct and, and, you know, even exceeding our, our own high expectations. So that's good. But are we going to convert that audience to product now? Like, that's a big question. Like, I don't know. Yeah, sure. that, so, so the way we do risk against that is, you know, of the 50 million, I would say five to 10% of that we're putting into a performance marketing budget where we will spend some money on marketing. Like there's proven ways, like there's a science to this, right? Like you hire a head of growth who's like, you know, done this playbook or has ideas around a revised playbook for going to, you know, affiliate marketers like Roto Grinders or Vegas Insider and giving them a promo code and paying them a CPA that gets triggered every time somebody deposits in in their better account. Like you could control CAC that way and mm-hmm. you could prove out a, a unit economics model that features a, a really tight payback period. Like you could do that and we're going to do that, right? Because one of the things that keeps me up at night is like, we're going to build this great media company, incremental enterprise value, brand awareness, brand affinity, but is it going to convert to real money gambling customers? I don't know. I hope so. Um, yeah, speaking of, of the talent you brought in, I saw where I'm looking at my notes here. I saw where you brought in some people from FanDuel and, and uh, Barstool. And um, so you're putting together a, a, a great team, obviously to execute on this, right? Totally. I mean, I, I've made, I mean, I've been, blessed to be able to be sort of a, a founder, you know, CEO, entrepreneur for, for, for a while now, despite being a young person. And I've hired a, a lot of people. So I, I've had, when, when I met Alex and from FanDuel, Alex Ursa, Mike Denevi from Bleacher, I, I knew these guys were, were, were studs. Like we, we like that. That's the thing I'm perhaps most proud of um, so far. It's not the money we've raised. It's not the Instagram followers. It's it's the team we've assembled. This is a really special team. Um, I mean, you literally have people best team the, wins. And, Just like and, sports. You, and like, <laughs> I promise, I promise, we're not starting a cult, but we have people on the team like getting like I have the logo tattooed and and uh, you I know, saw where Jay Paul did that. <laughs> no, some of the executives. I mean, Mike Denevi runs our media company. Got got the logo tattooed on it. I mean, some of the talents getting tattooed. Like, oh, it, that's awesome. Yeah, people are committed. They're excited and 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 they're good people. They're they're good. Wow. people who are young up and coming leaders with with infinite upside it's, it's awesome what you guys are doing and, and i think you're doing it at your age is fantastic hey we're, we're running out of time i like to do this thing we like to do this thing called lightning round where i just ask you some quick quick questions 
you know, brief answers, one, two words is fine. Or, you know, and, and so we'll go through this pretty quickly. So um, I'll, I'll get you ready. Yeah, let's do it, who's, man. Who's your most admired entrepreneur? That's hard. There, there's so many good ones. Um, Besides I mean, me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, like the obvious ones that you learn from, like Musk and his ambition, uh, Bezos and some of his operating principles. Like, you know, he, he's really big on like stubborn on the vision, flexible on the details. Like that's something that I think about all the time and, and how it informs my approach. Um, jobs with respect to his product focus and, and, and you know, yeah, that's something I learned from. Um, I, but, but then also like my, my co-founder at Simpleback, Chris Bevilacqua, like he, like one of the hardest working people who just failure is not an option type mentality, like being able to learn from somebody like that in real time, like was amazing. Like no, no chance I am where I am today without people like that. So, cool. um, that's great. Yeah. Um, I love that failure is not an option for entrepreneurs. I always, always love, love people that are wired that way. Favorite sport? Uh, soon to be, soon to be baseball. Now that that micro betting is is coming to market. <laughs> Favorite sports celebrity? Not Jake. Uh, I I love Dwayne Wade, man. I I grew up in South Florida, and I was eight years old in two thousand three when he was drafted, and that guy was just built different. I was a huge admirer of Dwayne Wade. Cool. Uh, we're both in Florida. We didn't really get a chance to get in the whole Florida thing, but favorite restaurant, Miami. I love going to Miami and I love the restaurants. I'm always looking for the next place I got to check out when I'm over there. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 anything Dave Grutman does is great. Um, coat and design district, the Korean barbecue, it, it, that, that, that place is awesome. Um, coat. And then I'll have to check it out. Yeah. If you had to describe Jake Paul in one word, what would it be? Fearless, ambitious, the two words, but those are the two that come to mind. And if you had to describe Joey Levy in one word, what would it be? Um, I'll, I'll use two words, a- a- ambitious and persistent. Like the one thing about me is I, I will never give up. I mean, th- this company is the culmination of a decade's worth of work that's I've kind of been trying to solve like the same exact problem for like 10 years. And I'm never going to quit until we not only solve it, but it becomes the category defining company in the space that that generates tens of billions of dollars for shareholders. I love it, Joey. This has been great. Thank you so much for being on Skin in the Game VC with myself. Uh, really appreciate it. And uh, this, I could talk to you. We could go on for another hour or two. Yeah, no, this was fun, man. Pre- appreciate you. Th- thanks, okay. Uh, again, thanks. And yeah. uh, I'm, I am, I and our audience are so, um, it's going to enjoy so much watching you build better with Jake. And, you know, we're big fans and it'll be exciting and can't wait to see what's next. Yeah, no, uh, and super and super grateful to you guys and your support, by the way. I mean, you and... Saxon and the team at Florida Funders were really the first ones to step up and were like, yeah, like, you know, I know it's a pre-launch company and the valuation's a little bit high, but we think this is a big opportunity and we're going to get behind it. Like, that's something that I'm, I'm never going to forget. And um, it, we're, we're not, we're, we're not where we are today without you guys. So, so super grateful to you guys.
Well, thank you, and we're excited to be partners with you and and for the future. All right. Um, Thanks for spending to our audience. uh, Thanks for spending your time with Skin the Game today. If you want to learn more about Florida Funders, just go out to FloridaFunders.com. If you're an investor, uh, we have opportunities like Better out there you can invest in, although Better is not live right now. Um, We're always looking and putting up new companies that we've vetted and found that are exciting, um, like Better and and uh, and if you're a founder and you're looking for funding, go out to FloridaFunders.com. You can you can go through our process in about five minutes and apply to, for funding and get in our queue and our process. And uh, you know you never know. So thank you and thanks for being with us today. Thanks for spending your time with Skin in the Game VC today. If you want to learn more about investing in early stage tech like a venture capitalist, be sure to visit the Florida Funders website at floridafunders.com. Join our angel network at no cost and get access to Florida Funders VC vetted investment opportunities in the next great breakout tech companies.